good to be in the Lord's house. Amen. We appreciate Sister Jill preparing us a Thanksgiving dinner for us tonight. And uh, as a prelude to uh, your own personal Thanksgiving with your family, and we want to say, I'm grateful for our church family. Sister Sherry and I had, I know that JoJo and those guys did a fantastic job and shared where me and Sherry were at, and we had made a fast-paced trip to Pensacola, Florida, to the Naval Air Station to be with Anthony and Emily and to see the first brown grandbaby. Um, my son Anthony reminds us that we've got six uh, grandchildren, but this is the first brown continuation of the brown family name. So, Beniah Anthony Lee Brown, without the dash or the hyphen is how he says it. Um, but they'll be home. They were, they're going to be home for Thanksgiving, but Sister Sherry just really felt like that we needed to make that effort to go down and see them, and, and I concurred with her, so it was fast-paced, but we got there and spent two days and then came back, and then certainly I came back to, to discover um, the loss of uh, Sherry Wilcox, who was Carol Townsend. Carol's here many times on Wednesday nights, and um, her mother who had passed away, and of course we've been sharing that with you on the phone tree the last couple of days, and Hannah certainly is going to be right there we're going to hold hannah up in prayer amen just continue to remember her and family in prayer um tonight let me tell you we're going to be in the purple book in the purple book our study is coming to a close let me just remind you of that now i don't have any more purple books to pass out and at this late in the ball game i don't want to purchase any and i would have made a copy of the lesson for you tonight um, but I'd already filled it out. So I'll, as we go into chapter, the final chapter, I'll go ahead and make some copies, even though I know that's fringing on the copyright uh, thing, but I'm going to do it by grace and not by law. And I'm going to do it by the fact that we have already bought almost 500 copies of this book. So we're going to trust that just to get us to the end, they can have, show us a little bit of grace. Um, but tonight, I'm kind of excited because I'm going to throw you a curveball on tonight's lesson. Tonight, we're going to be... Lesson number 11, and we're continuing in, or not lesson number 11, it's chapter number 11, lesson number 4, but it's uh, under the context of signs and wonders, but it's signs and wonders that aids evangelism, and we're going to, I want to go ahead in a moment of time, and I want to walk through the purple book, the questions and answers, but then I'm going to take you with seven other questions or points to us, for us to talk about as I pondered this subject here today. Um, and I feel like the direction I take it, took it was the right direction for us. I think it will be a little greater dialogue than what could possibly, what possibly would, would, would happen if we just simply followed the lesson. So lesson number four right here, it says miracles, signs, and wonders under chapter 11, evangelism and world missions. So we've got about, oh, it takes you all the way through about 12. We're going to just walk that down. I'm not going to put these questions or answers here on the board, but I'm going to put on the board when I have my personal seven points. I want to get you dialoguing with me under the same thought. But let's go ahead and build this subject matter in our mind by generally walking through the lesson. It says, when the disciples stepped out in faith and boldly preached the gospel, what happened? And that text is Acts 2 and, 4, Acts 2 and 43 and 3 and 16. And then I put it this way. People were saved and healed. Right? You are the quietest church on Wednesday night. Uh, number two. Let's just, so if you've got your lesson, you want to fill it in. Which I, I hope that you've already filled it in. Why did the people in Samaria pay close attention to Philip? You may remember Philip was the evangelist who's gone to Samaria uh, when the Jews are, uh, begin to persecute the church and flush them out of Jerusalem. In Samaria, the Bible says they saw the miracles. So there was miraculous things that took place as uh, Philip preached the gospel. 
So then the next subject is, here it says, signs and wonders were not just for the apostles. He's noted Philip was a faithful servant in the church whom God used to proclaim the gospel of miraculous power. Then number three was what were Paul and Barnabas doing when the lame man from Lystra was healed. And the Bible says that they were preaching the gospel. And Paul perceived that the man had faith to be healed. And so the, the subject matter here is our part is to boldly preach Christ's salvation and pray for him to act. As we do this, God will work powerful miracles in, in people's lives. In other words, we do the preaching, God does the healing. So y'all just hang on to these things. We're going we're gonna to make this more personal to us here in a moment. What did James instruct the church to do for those who were sick? Right there, it's on the screen in front of you. you call for the elders of the church, anoint them with oil, pray over them the prayer of faith in the name of the Lord. And uh, the, they would be raised up, and if they've committed sins, then they too would be forgiven, correct? Amen. Number five, what did Jesus promise to those with faith in John 14 and 12? I believe it's greater works, right? Greater works than these shall you do. It's the promise that Jesus made to his apostles, to his disciples who became apostles. Number six then says, how can we see even greater things, John 14, 12 through 14, and it's ask the Father in Jesus' name, right? Jesus said, that day you'll ask me nothing, but he said, ask the Father in my name that the Father may be glorified. In the Son, and so, and believe. We must, you know, there's a key underlying signs. We must believe. I've told you before, there are two things that caught Jesus' attention. It was either great faith or no faith, right? So, so, uh, so we challenge each other to believe. That's why you're here tonight, for us to challenge you to believe. Number seven, how was the crippled man at the beautiful gate healed? And that's in Acts 3, 6 and 17, or 6 and 7 in verse number 16. If you look in the verse 16, Peter, through his own profession, says, through faith in the name of Jesus, this man is made whole. So that's that famous story where he was beside the gate called Beautiful, and Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He took him by the right hand, immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength, and he went with them, entering into the temple, leaping and praising God. But when the Sanhedrin council, the, or the, the leaders, probed Peter. Peter, how did this happen? What, what, where did this power come from? He said, through faith in the name of Jesus has given him this perfect soundness. Um, let's go on down. How much authority is in the name of Jesus? Three-letter word. Oh, maybe a little response. I'm hearing some educated answers out there somewhere. Number nine, what happens at the mention of Jesus' name? Philippians 2, 11, uh, 2 10, and 11. Every... Knee will bow and every tongue will confess. In the consummation of all things, it's our belief, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Acting in Jesus' name isn't like using a magic word. It's much better than that. To act in Jesus' name is to acknowledge his authority over everything. When we submit ourselves to his authority, he gives us the power to advance the kingdom. And that's one of the things we have to remind ourselves, that we're here to be a bride and a shining light. That we learn that we have such a divine purpose. And one of the things that can help you individually is when you learn to see the purpose that God's given you to be a, his witness. And we all witness differently. And we've been talking about evangelism over the last two to three weeks. But we're all ambassadors to Christ. We are we're his ambassadors. And, and when, you, when you see that, then, you're, then, you're whole, then, then, then the minuscule things and the, the, the minute things and the little things in life suddenly take on themselves much greater significance, don't they? If something that you might do is small has the potential to affect someone in a great way, right? Doesn't that give you a greater spiritual esteem and purpose in life? 
Like, per example, I'm going to use me as an example here today. Coming to church tonight, I, I, I have the privilege to come here tonight to share a gift, the gift that God's put inside me, which is teaching and encouraging. And so, and I can know that when I come here tonight, that if that gift has been, has been edified, if that gift has been sharpened inside me and agitated, stir up the gift of God, then your life is going to be built up. Right? And so that gives me a, a, a greater purpose. So I'll, this is my calling. You have your calling. Right? You have your call. Whatever your calling is, when you see that through the light of his call on you, then you know that you're advancing the kingdom. Maybe you're a school teacher. Maybe you work at a factory. Maybe you're a painter. Maybe you are a logger. It doesn't matter. The people around you need to see the light of Jesus in you every day. Amen? So let's go a little bit farther. What did Jesus say would happen if we have faith in him? It's Mark 11, 23 and 24. We can walk to the mountain. Man, you are fast up there, Lord. You're faster than I can even say it up there. The mountain will move if we'll do what? If we'll speak to it, right? If we believe in our heart and if we say to the mountain. So it's about profession of faith. What did Jesus say about the power of faith? Mark 9 and 23. What's possible? By the, what, what is it? Who said all things? Aren't they? All things are possible. Man, that's powerful right there, isn't it? Drop that down in your heart. If you, don't, if you have a sub-file inside you, you know, you got the file cabinet of knowledge, and inside the file cabinet of knowledge, you got folders, and in that folder, drop one down and just let it always be there. And that is, with God, all things are possible. You're never in an impossible situation with God, correct? Number 12 is what pleases God. Faith, amen? Faith does please God. Hebrews 11 and 6, they that come unto God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who will what diligently seek him so you can take that book and don't toss it you'll keep it hold it there so we're going to take this signs and wonders we're going to put this up here and as we go into this context tonight signs and wonders let me just go ahead and put you god is the god of signs and wonders signs and wonders did not begin in the book of acts and they didn't begin in the, in the ministry of jesus if we're just being honest a sign and wonders when god displays his power in such a way that it produced a wonder in us at the sign. We wonder about this awesomeness of God. So you can trace the signs and wonders all the way back to Abraham. You can trace it back to Jacob. Jacob pillowed his head on a stone and discovered a stairway to heaven. Right? I mean, that's a sign. He woke up, he woke up and he was wiping the sleep out of his eye and said, This is the house of God. A God that I didn't even really hardly know and, and, he's, and I feel his presence right here. That's a sign and wonder. Signs and wonders are when Gideon's threshing weed in a, in a, in a, a vat, a, a wine vat, you know, to hide it from the, the army, and an angel comes. to A sign and wonders when uh, the, the parents of before Samson was even conceived, when they're out in the field and an angel comes and says, your barren wife's going to have a child. And they don't really believe, and they go and they question him again. And he said, if you're really a man of God, then let's offer uh, to God sacrifice together. And they put a sacrifice on a rock out there in the middle of a field. And as the flame is leaping up off the rock, that man that had told them that they're going to have a son jumps up on the rock and ascends into heaven. Come on. How I many you know that's a sign, right? And that would cause you to wonder. So, so signs and wonders aren't just in the ministry of Jesus. And you can go back and look at prophetic giftings all the way through. And you can see the hand of God uh, throughout the Old Covenant. And certainly, especially in the life of Jesus. 
Multiple texts I've got right here. So there's seven things that I'm going to put on the board for you just real quickly tonight. We're going to just kind of trail this together. Multiple texts show us that both the apostles and other first century believers saw miracles take place. Correct? So, so let's just put this in a historical context. So number one is that in Acts, right, we know that in the first century, miracles took place. Right? They, the, the book of Acts is filled with miracles, isn't it? Yes. Right? It's called the Acts of the Apostles, correct? And so, but with this, real quickly, signs following is a phrase that you see. The Bible says that God worked with them with signs following. So they would preach, and oftentimes signs following. We're going to put this down here, sign. is a confirmation. So it would be miraculous. It would be something supernatural. I'm going to give you other examples here in just a little while. Um, signs following their preaching. Sometimes signs precluded their preaching. We read in Acts 3, or we mentioned in Acts 3, Peter at the, at the gate, the sign precluded preaching. He healed the man, Peter, by faith in the name of Jesus, who was lame 38 years outside the temple. But when the people saw the sign, the opportunity was created for him to share the gospel. Sometimes signs followed the preaching of the word of God. But there were signs following. So let's just connect to that in just a minute. What, here's the question that I put, though. With miracles and signs that you see in the book of Acts, what were the results? Let's just let's put, What were the results of when these miracles took place? There, 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 there had to be, I mean, if it was a wonder, and people wondered about it, um, what, what were some of the things that took place as a result of something supernatural that took place, and we're going to go ahead and jump it primarily to the first century, but even beyond that, in the context of miracles, what happened as, as a result? Not just in the book of Acts, but especially in the life of Jesus for just a minute. What, what happened as a result of signs and wonders? Fear came over some, so some feared, okay? Like a, a good sense of fear, right? A godly sense, right? Like a godly fear, reverence. Go ahead, anybody? How about, I'll throw this one out there. Often they would glorify God. Anybody remember that when Jesus was at Nain, the small city, I think it's in Galilee. That, no, 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 it's, it's south of there, I believe. There's a small little village, and Jesus touched the, little, the, the boy that was dead. Remember that? The Bible says that they glorified God. They said they had never seen. They, a great prophet has come among us. So they had the godly fear here, and as a result, they glorified God. So that's powerful, isn't it? Right? Let's go a little bit further. How about this one? How about salvation? As a result of the supernatural power of God, isn't it possible that uh, some people got saved? Let's, let's consider this one. Acts chapter 16. Paul and, and, and Silas are in the, the Philippian jail. And right at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed, sang praises to God. And then the building shook. Earthquake. No, heaven quake. Right? So God's glory shook it. And yet, they, the, all, everybody could have been killed, but nobody's life was lost. And nobody escaped. None of the prisoners. Most of the time, you think if all the men... I mean, literally... An earthquake would not cause the shackles on your hand to come unlocked. Right? That was a miracle. But as a result, all the shackles fell off. And yet, what happened that, what happened that night? 
to the Philippian jailer. Right? Him and his household. Right? They came in. They cried out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And so salvation, um, the reality is, is this right here. Some people were just curious. Some people see the hand of God and they're like, wow, that's cool. But they don't, they don't come under conviction. For whatever reason, there are some. Now, you say, well, pastor, really? Can people see? Well, you know what? Let's go into the life of Jesus. When Jesus ministered healing, not everybody believed. Right? Now, the whole, the whole subject matter here is that with signs following, people will be saved. And actually, that certainly is the desire and the anticipation, but it's not the guarantee. Because if we're being honest, some of the religious leaders in Jesus' day, when they saw Jesus heal the sick, they accredited his power to Satan, to Beelzebub, the prince or the lord of the devils. And so they credited the power of God, right, to the devil. How about that one? So I'm just putting this there. And then the reality is, obviously, this is where we want to certainly hold our affection to. We hope and pray, we're going to get there in a few moments, that God's word, and when, when anything of a sign and wonder happens, that people are genuinely saved. But let me say this very respectfully. There is no guarantee, right? Because the hearts of men can be deceived very quickly. The Bible says that Satan hath blinded the minds of those who believe not, correct? So, remember that. Hold that. We're going to erase this one. We're going to go to number two. I'm going to take you on a small journey. This is not the Purple Book journey. This is the Reverend Lee Otis Brown's journey. Number two, some people today argue that all miracles and signs, we'll put it right here, number two, all miracles, they ceased With two things. They usually accredit it that, that there are those in the church. I'm talking about genuinely born again believers in the atoning blood of Christ for salvation who believe that all signs and wonders ceased after probably two significant events. What are those two significant events in history? The temple being in conjunction, so we'll tie that one together, Brent, right here with this one, and that would be the end of the apostolic age, right there, which would be when the last apostle died, the end of the apostolic age. But do you know history tells us that there were signs and wonders. You can look, I actually have a book here, well, I've got, you can find this out yourself, in the first, the second, the third century, the fourth century, there were signs and wonders, but there are those that believe that with the end of the apostolic age, that when the last living apostle, which most believe was John, that died somewhere around 95 plus A.D., that he, uh, with his death, then was the passing of the apostolic age. This group of people are called cessationists. I won't try to spell it. They're called cessationists because they believe that the miracles and signs ceased. And the other, many others also believe that it is all, uh, with the coming of the canon of Scripture, right? That when the Scripture came, the Scripture, but the Scripture was not, you know, the Scripture was uh, unified 
there, that's a debatable subject, but there are those that believe that when we had an actual New Testament, canon of Scripture, 66 books, Genesis through Revelation, 39 old, 27 new, Matthew to Revelation, when that was complete, then that was, was incomplete, was no longer needed. And they cite 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. That which is in part shall be done away with. When that which is perfect is come. And so there are those that say that the perfect, the perfection spoken of here is that when the word was, has come, that which was in part has passed away. But you and I don't interpret that verse that way, do we? We interpret that perfect there to be in the consummation of all things. When everything is imperfect right now, we have imperfect knowledge. We have the miracles themselves are imperfect. But there is going to come a perfection, isn't there? But we're not there yet, right? And so you and I don't follow this, but there are those that believe that there are uh, that the miracles and signs. And I had this question, but I think that I'm, I'm I'm amongst believers here in this sense. Are they accurate in their theology? Do you believe the cessationists? Do you believe that signs and wonders have ceased as a result of the, either the end of the apostolic age? Are the coming of the canon of Scripture. Do you believe that? No. Right? I don't either. Sister Mason? Right. God said, I don't change. Right. What she referenced was Hebrews 13 and 8. The Lord God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But there are those, Sister Mason, who believe. I was, it wasn't that long ago, I was doing a little YouTube search along some line, theological line, and I got it on this brother's teaching, and I was following him all the way through. And this is a learned, a very distinguished, learned professor who simply was affirming that all supernatural signs and wonders of the Spirit of God have ceased since either the first century or the coming of the canon of Scripture. You have to be blinded by spirit in order to not be able to see that God has always, right? He's always revealed his glory in these ways. Let's go to number three. Are you all out there? You got questions or comments? Uh-huh. The, 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 the Bible, the entirety of the Bible, uh, that when it came together and they agreed upon the books, and they, that, that, you know, because, you know, early on, the people just had fragments and they had parchment and they didn't have a complete, you know, the, the apostles are still writing their letters and the gospels are just written and the epistles are coming out. But when all of that was formed and the early church accepted these letters as the word of God, that when that became complete, then there are those that hold to, there would no longer need, be a need for signs and wonders to accompany because we had perfect truth now. And we do have perfect truth, but it doesn't mean, matter of fact, our belief in signs and wonders comes to us from this perfect truth, doesn't it? It doesn't take away from, to me, it adds to it, doesn't it? It spurs me to believe. Right, I know. It, there's no possible way. No. Right. But there are those, isn't it? It's amazing. But like you said, it's not theologically, you, can't, you cannot make that theological argument. But people do. And 
That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. Now, n- number three, though, that I have are the, because I'm contrasting with the purple book for just a moment, Signs and Wonders, and all the references here was to healing. So I've got something here, number three, and the, I've got there. Are there other signs and wonders other than healing? Yeah, other than healing that you and I can believe God for and that, the, the, that we're hoping that God uses that as a testimony to his glory and that may awaken the faith of someone, right? So part, the reason why I'm saying that is the signs and wonders are not necessarily just this right here. It's not just blind eyes opening, right? Right, or crippled limbs, or, or the dead raised, what can it be? It can be God revealing himself in a number of ways, can it be? Let's go ahead and put it up here on the, screen, just for, on the board real quickly. How about the gifts of the Spirit? Some of the gifts, like the word of wisdom, right? The word of wisdom or the word of knowledge. Now think about it, or the, you know, just real quickly, the word of knowledge. How about tongues and interpretation, Right? Bible says that tongues are a sign to unbelievers, doesn't it? 1 Corinthians 13, or 14 says they're a sign to unbelievers. The point that I wanted to make here is, are there other miracles or miraculous things that can help promote the gospel that aren't just physical healing? How about when blessing? How about just a blessing? Let's just say when something happens in your life that you know is God's handiwork. And you know, like you feel like Ruth. He left you something in the field, right? Boaz dropped you something just to show you that he loves you and he's kind to you. I believe that that's a sign of his great grace. And it causes me to wonder at this omnipotent God that cares enough about my life to just do something good for me and my family. And I think it becomes a testimony. And you should share it as a testimony, don't you think? Let me share with you also, though, Pentecostalism is born in the fires of tongues and interpretation, right? Let me share with you a, a couple of things that what comes to us from this particular book, oddly enough, entitled, With Signs Following. I look like Vanna White here on this for just a moment, don't you? I turned a bit the button. With Signs Following. This is a unique book because it was written in 1927, and the last copyright was in 1946. And so it was, it was the stories that were being accumulated at the, at the, I mean, when the power of God was just awakening in the church worldwide. So I want to share just a couple, of, if I can, do you mind just I read for a couple of things to just show you that all miracles are not just these miracles, right? But that God does, he uses things in powerful ways. So let's just real quickly, um, I'll pick it up right here. We take the following report from the Latter Rain Evangel. When Dr. Price was speaking on one occasion in Spokane, Washington, the power of the Spirit came upon him, and he began to speak in Chinese. For nearly half an hour, the message poured forth. Sitting on the platform was a Presbyterian missionary who had returned from China who arose and gave the interpretation. But his interpretation was not by divine knowledge, but by his own Acquired knowledge of the, he had learned and studied the Chinese language. There were 11 ministers present, 
and he convinced them that the message was from God. He said he had never heard such pure Chinese spoken as was Brother Price under the anointing of the Spirit of God. Come on, somebody. That's a sign, isn't it? Let's go a little farther. When John Carter wrote to us in early 1927, he said, We had a blessed New Year's convention in Edinburgh. Mr. Burton was there from the Congo. I know the Congo in the early 20s was a tough place of evangelism. Suddenly, while Donald G. was praying with the brothers seeking the Holy Spirit, Mr. Burden heard Mr. Gee say in pure Kulubia, I guess, please forget, it's an African language. Oh, this is good food. He said that a native could have not said it better. Let's go farther. Clinton Patterson of Pomona, California states, In one local midweek service at which I was present, a stranger entered the room. His hair was disheveled. He seemed restless and out of place. Near the close of the meeting, the pastor gave a message in tongues. I do not even remember that the message was interpreted. When the invitation was given, this man was persuaded to go forward and give his heart to God. In a few minutes, he too was speaking in tongues. Come on, somebody, listen. Service ended, and he asked the pastor if he understood the Russian language and was told that he did not. The stranger then told the pastor that his message was in the Russian language and was a warning to him to be reconciled to God. He was a member of a gang that had come to the city for the purpose of robbing a bank that night. He came into the church to escape the police until time to begin their operations. The next night he came again to church and we had never before seen so great a change in a man in one day. His hair was combed, he was smiling, a new creature in Christ Jesus. Shall we say that this work of grace and miracle of salvation was of the devil if the message in tongues was not interpreted? The fact that the message was given in the Russian tongue was doubtless the thing that convinced the man that God was speaking to him. Come on, church family. That's what we're a part of. Let's go a little bit farther and then I'll switch. But listen, Bert Webb, now superintendent of our southern Missouri district, received the baptism in a meeting at Welton, Oklahoma. He spake in tongues at length, and a, and a Polish man the following day went to the pastor and said, I would like to get in touch with that Polish lad who spoke in Polish for so long last night. He spoke of the wonderful works of God and gave a special message to me. The pastor assured him that the young man did not know a word of Polish, that he had been reared in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and that he spoke what he spoke must have been the result of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The miracle had such an effect on the Polish man that he yielded his life to God. Signs and wonders, right? So signs and wonders are not just the healing of the sick and the miracles of, of physical healing, but word of knowledge, word of faith, celebration of the blessings of God, divine direction. I put it down here. How about deliverance from addictions? We live in a crystal meth generation, right? Where the devil has got a brew and people are putting it in their body until they are changed into another person, until the Spirit of God comes along. And then out with the old and in with the new. And that becomes a testimony to the power of God. So there's a lot of ways that we see God's handiwork being poured out in the church that's a little bit apart from just the miraculous things that we were kind of being uh, referred to in the purple book, and that's why I felt led to go this direction. Are y'all out there? All right, let's go. I want to go a little farther. 
Good. I want to go a little farther. I hate to. I'm right in the middle here. So, any questions or comments? That was number three. I told you there's seven. There's a couple of others that I want to share with you. I feel good to share with you. Um, is it possible, though? Is it possible to have an? This is a tough one. This is a tough question. I got to race the board for this. This is going to be a tough question. Is it possible to have number four? An unhealthy appetite, I'm going to use that word, for supernatural signs. I think that's a fair question, don't you? I think it's a, I think it's a needed question. Jesus got a little bit frustrated at times, didn't he? He's like... How long will I suffer you? There's a few times he was a little frustrated because people were continually wanting to see signs and wonders. I wrote it this way. I said, is it possible to have an unhealthy appetite for or an expectation of miracles? And I put it this way. Miracles are, let me just say this right here. Miracles, get ready for this one. Miracles, which include signs and wonders, are part of the gospel. Hello? But they are not. They are not all of the gospel. The assemblies of God came at a time when the church had a lot of benevolence, a lot of other things, and this became the theme, all the gospel, because they believed in that time frame that the church had omitted and had, you know, had abandoned the signs and wonders. So they added in their theology the Assemblies of God and other Pentecostal distinctives that the supernatural works of the Holy Spirit had not ceased, and that's all the gospel. But now, a hundred and plus years later, we have to be very careful, or we have swung the pendulum to the other side, and all the gospel becomes an unhealthy appetite for supernatural signs. Every time you come to church, it can't be about you and your creaking elbow. Well, Sister Sherry, wherever you're at, go start the vehicle. It's fresh from Pensacola. Get it ready. Every time we, now listen, I, I, want, I want to pray. Let's believe God. I, all the, all, but you know what? Every time we come together, it can't just be about uh, seeing a sign and wonder. You know, there were times that Jesus taught the word and he healed nobody. He sent everybody away. Sometimes he broke the bread and fed 5,000 people. And sometimes he said, you need to go to McDonald's on your own. We're not picking up the tab today, right? But he taught the word. I wanted to put here, I want you to just see, miracles and signs and wonders are part of the church. We're, we're exhorted. But let me throw up here this, the passage that was mentioned earlier, 1 Corinthians 13. What do we call this chapter? What is it called? You know, I remember a wedding you did, right? It's called the love chapter, right? The agape chapter, right? And, and, and uh in this particular passage, if we go to verses 1 and 2, the Bible says that if I have faith, if I have faith that can move mountains and don't have love, I become a sounding brass and tinkling cymbal, right? Right? And so that's just one. You know, I believe that if you're not careful in Pentecostalism, you can create this unhealthy appetite 
for supernatural signs. And if somebody's not fallen out in the spirit or somebody's not been testifying that they have received a physical healing, then we don't find a reason to give God glory or we don't think God's presence was in the house or something of that nature. And you know what? I disagree with that today. And I, go ahead, Shane. Yes. 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 You know, to t- it has to be balanced. When we look back at the history of Pentecostalism, the ministries that endured were those that were built upon the teaching and the preaching of the word, not on signs and wonders. For whatever reason, there seems to be a season, just as you mentioned, where there's a breath, a wind of something supernatural. Not that it, the wind won't blow again. The b- wind bloweth where it listeth, the King James says, right? The wind will blow again. But in its absence, if you haven't created a foundation of teaching and equipping, I know that there's negativity with Kenneth Hagin and the Word of Faith movement, correct? I know that. Many of you may not even know who that is. But Kenneth Hagin, though, when he talked and he gave this uh, testimony, I can remember, he said back in the 40s when there was such a powerful outpouring of the Holy Spirit, so many evangelists were building their ministries on the supernatural gift that was working in them at that time. He said, but I chose to build my ministry on the teaching of the Word of God. And when that gift, I don't want to say ceases, but when that season of it being exercised at that level in the life of that individual, then that person loses his way. I I went to, um, anybody ever heard about the Brownsville Revival? A few of y'all, correct? Now, I went there twice. You've heard me talk about it. Billy and Kathy Adams have been there, not, went there nine times over the years with, with wind. People were hungry for revival, so they went down there. I have to be, tell you, though, when I, when I went down there, I, I, there wasn't anything supernatural. And I'm, I'm just going to confess. Can, Lord God, the Lord knows my heart in this. Listen. I went down there, and I, I say, I'm gonna say, I, say I, don't, I don't need what they got because what I got is already working inside me. I'm just going to be honest. And I came back, and the message that I preached, my first message that I preached at Shirley when I came back from Browns from Revival is, it's not a revival till. That's my message. Because I said, yeah, we can see you fall over. We can see you shake under the power of God, and you can do all this. But it, until I see you loving your wife, Amen. raising your children, yeah. come on, until I see you getting a job, yeah. right, becoming a respectable, you know, citizen, uh, then it's not a revival, right, until I see fruit. And I wasn't trying to be critical, but I'm just saying we're judging the baby in its infancy stage as if it's matured and grown. And, and, and so there was a separation. So 
I've always been guarded in this sense, probably from that. And I, when I, I was just like every young pastor when I first got into Pentecost. I was zealous of spiritual gifts, and I'm still zealous. But I, I'm going to go to number five here in just a moment. I, I, I began to challenge myself because I realized that I was creating an unhealthy appetite for supernatural signs in the church, and that there's a balance. Teaching has to be balanced. Right? All right, I'll just keep on. You sure can. Uh-huh. Yes. Being raised from the dead. Yes. Um. That's a great question, Eva. Eva's asking the question that from, is there a difference between before Jesus died on the cross and after Jesus died on the cross and us expecting a miracle? Uh, you know, I don't necessarily know that there's a difference. I, I think that what's happening now certainly is we have the teachings of Jesus. We have the canon of Scripture. So we have that we can go back and reference his words and see where he did teach us to believe. He challenged us to have faith. He challenged us to trust the Lord. Um, let me give you an example of this real quickly. Jesus was asleep when the storm hit the, the boat. Anybody remember that? Okay. And when they woke, they were frantic, and they woke him up, and he was ticked. The spirit of Sister Sherry did rest upon him. He didn't like to be woke up, no. But it, and I'm making that for fun just to, so you all understand. After he stilled the storm, he reproved them. What did he say? Where is your faith? Where? Now, all right, here's the question. Did that question mean that one of them should have had the faith to stand on the bow of the ship and rebuke the storm, sign and wonder, as he did? Or did he mean, remember what he said when he got into the boat? He said, we're going to the other side. Did he mean, I told you we're going to the other side? Why are you fretting? And why I don't care how much wave, wind, storm, just hold on. The master's in control. I said we're going to the other side. They ought to have been laying back there, pillowed up on Jesus, just trusting the Lord that God was going to bring them through it. So I think that's a, I think that's a connection a little bit, Eva, right there. What I'm saying that is, yes, there's sign and wonders, but at the same time, sometimes there's just simple trust. On this side of the cross, we have the power of the Holy Spirit present in our lives, and He stirs us and agitates us and moves us, and then we listen. And there are signs and wonders, and there's, sometimes there's weight, and sometimes Paul longed for a sign and wonder to deliver him of some type of demon in his life. It's found in 2 Corinthians 12. They call it Paul's thorn in the flesh, whatever it was. He said three times, <laughs> That's what happens when you break your finger playing basketball. You can't. So you go to raise your three fingers up. And you're like, how many you got up there, Pastor? Three, finger, three times the apostle ball asked the Lord. <laughs> but that's from two times of basketball breaking my right pinky. So I have to reach over and grab hold of it. Three times the apostle ball. He said, I sought the Lord for deliverance. Remember what he said? He said, Paul, he said, my power is made perfect in weakness. And so Paul then said, I will take 
pleasure in infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So there's a balance. I think that's the key that I'm trying to come to tonight. But can I make this real personal to you now? Um, let, me, let me skip number five. I'm, I'm going to mention five, but I'm going to go, I want to take you to number six because I think it's more important to talk about. Number five I'd put down, what do you think hinders miracles today? We'll not talk about that in a moment. So let me do this one, though. As a pastor, as a pastor, as, I want you to see this. Come into my world. As a pastor, should be my first pursuit. There you go. That's tough. Okay. Let's talk about this. Because there are those, this was number six, as a pastor, should signs and wonders be my first pursuit for the health of the church? Hmm. Here we go. Now, it's tough. Now, let me go a little bit farther and read what I put if I, we, we, I, believe in the gifts of the Spirit to include the gifts of healing and the workings of miracles, and I seek those gifts earnestly. I believe in those gifts, don't you? I had over here, let's put it right here, miracles. The Bible says that there are the gifts of miracles and the gifts of healing, correct? You just put this here. This is in 1 Corinthians 14. There are the gifts of mir- or excuse me, no, 12. <laughs> We're going to get somewhere between 1 Corinthians 1 and 3, yeah, in the Bible, yeah, <laughs> in the canon of Scripture. <laughs> in 1 Corinthians 12, the miracles, uh, the gifts of miracles and the gifts of healing. The Bible plainly tells me to earnestly, right, right, earnestly seek the best gifts. Correct? Are you all out there? 1 Corinthians 12. However, it says that these gifts are divided as he wills. Not my will, his will. So if, let me just say this, if I as a pastor said, God, I want the gift of healing and the work, and I do pray that prayer, but I, and especially early on, But when I began to take inventory in my life, I didn't find the greatest gift to be raised in the dead because it hadn't happened. I didn't find the greatest gift in me to be for my shadow to fall on sick people and them to be healed. But I did find that God gave me a teaching gift to teach people how to love God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, how to love their neighbor as their self, how how to make a church a family. I found that God put a gift of exhortation in my life. What's that? A gift of encouragement where that I get up 99.9 of 100 days, I get up in the morning with a smile on my face. And I live life with a smile. And so when you're around me, I'm going to try to, I'm going to, try to reflect his love, his grace, his kindness. And if I found myself saying, I've got to have this, and I failed to develop the obvious gifts that were in my life, right, the obvious gifts, I would always feel incomplete, inadequate. I'd always feel like I was a failure because I, 
everybody's not, you know, I may breathe on people and you may fall back, but it may not be because of the breath of Benny Hinn. It may be because I didn't brush adequately during the day, right? And so if that's not happening, and yet you've got me trapped in this mindset that this has to happen or God's not using me, then I'm going to, again, always feel like I'm failing God. But that's why when you learn that my giant can be fought only with my sling. If I got to put my, got to put your armor on to kill my giant and to walk in my destiny, then I'm going to fail. But if I walk out of the king's tent and I got the sling that I've trusted in, I said, God, you put this gift in me. And this gift is sharp and it's fresh and it's anointed and it can bless the people of God and it can encourage the people of God then I'm doing what God's called me to do. The evangelist cannot do what I do. And I can't do what the evangelist does. Does that make sense tonight? We all have our own calling and our own gifting. Now, this doesn't mean that I'm not to earnestly seek the best gifts, correct? This doesn't mean that I still should not. I do, I can tell you this. When I see things going on like little Moriah, Mariah Moore, man, that, that, that I, I walk through this church in prayer, and I say, God, if you're, if you're looking for somebody to put the gift of healing in a more powerful way in our generation, then, God, I'm available, right? I mean, that's the prayer you need to pray. But at the same time, I have to be aware of the obvious gifts that he's placed in my life. Let me tell you, as a pastor, what should be my first pursuit? And I don't mean, my first pursuit should be his presence, right? I'll just put that up there. That should be my first pursuit. Is that, is that an E or, uh, not, or a C? I don't know if it is, but let's go there. You understand presence, not present, but his presence. But here's what Peter said. He said, feed the flock of God. Take the oversight and feed the flock of God. That's what God has called shepherds to do. And when that's your calling... It doesn't mean that I don't believe in signs and wonders. But if I have to do the things that the evangelist does in order to feel like I'm walking in God's calling for my life, I'm going to always feel like a failure. But thank God that God wove the body together. He put us together as he sees fit, right? So let's close. 7.53, I've gone too long. But I haven't talked for two or three weeks, so I guess I was stored up, so to speak. Right? Catching up. Thank you, Brother Doug. I want to show you a prayer. So number, there are some things that hinder signs and wonders. Unbelief hinders the Spirit of God, doesn't it? I, I want to put, I, I, really, I'm going to, I, to finish this accurately, what do you think hinders miracles today? Number one, doctrine. We do need to teach people to believe. I want to encourage you. He's Jehovah Rapha. He's the Lord who heals. He's omnipotent in power. His arm is not shortened. His ears not deafened. You heard me say earlier, tuck it in your file cabinet of faith. And what is that? With God, all things are possible. Isn't that right? Man, you live life that way. I, that means that any situation you're in, you could say, I can get out of this situation. Somehow, some way, God can bring me out because he can do all things. He does all things well. Lifestyle choices. There's no pursuit of holiness in our generation. And it hinders the power of God. Well, I knew that would be a point that went 
uh, without very much uh, response. But that's just the truth, the lifestyle choices. Um, the sovereignty of God. I believe in covenant promises, but God is sovereign. And He chooses. And there's sometimes that, that for whatever reason, God has seasons of His power being made known in the earth. Lastly today, number seven, I want to put up here just real quick and close. I want to take you to a special place in prayer. It's a prayer that's found in Acts chapter 4. And let's read this in closing. Let's make this our prayer to close the service out. I didn't mean to keep you so long. It's in verse 429 and through 31. And Lori, as fast as she is, she'll probably have it on the screen. Acts 4, 29 through 31. I won't even turn to it. I'll just wait. Let's read it together. Why don't we stand for just a quick moment in closing. Twenty nine, Lord, if you can. Start at twenty nine. I want you to read it with me. They were threatened though for preaching the gospel. And so they went and they prayed. So now, now look, let's let's pause. Let's do this real quick collectively. Let's make this our prayer. This lesson was titled Signs and Wonders. The first century church was threatened by the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem and were told not to preach. So they gathered together and they began to pray. I'm looking this way, you're looking this way. Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness we may speak your word. How many of you know we need that in our generation? There are people trying to mute the church just like first century. What, but by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done in the name of your holy servant Jesus. Verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the Word of God with boldness. Let's make that a prayer tonight. Let's pray and say, God, come on, you pray right now with me. Father of heaven, Lord, we pray that in our generation, that God, in our generation, we would see signs and wonders. Come on, I think that's fair. I want to pray that God, for your glory... God, you be glorified, Father, when the hearts of men and women turn to you, stretch forth your hand to heal. God, heal crippled limbs, heal arthritic limbs, heal blood diseases, heal diabetes, God. Send your word to Moriah, God. Bring her up off of that bed, Father God, full, full of faith and healed totally and completely of cancer, God, in the name of Jesus. Stretch forth your hand to heal, God. And let signs and wonders be done in the name of Jesus. God, let us see the power of God in our generation. I pray that over my church family. That God, we will trust you for your power to be made known in our lives. And we will not just read in ancient books about signs following. But that we, that we will have a testimony in our own lives. In our own community. And in our own community of faith that we see signs and wonders right here, First Assembly of God. God, Father, at First Assembly and in your church, we pray, let signs and wonders. And I want to ask you, church family, in prayer right now as we close, between now and Sunday, why don't you pray privately and say, God, when we come together, do something that's miraculous among us. 
God, do something that will cause the ears of every person to hear about it to tingle. God, when they hear about it, they'll say, what, what is that? It's the power of God. We're going to ask that in faith, God. Stretch forth your hand. Let signs and wonders be done in the name of your son, Jesus. And everybody said, amen and amen. Listen, real quickly, no Wednesday night. Next Wednesday, we always cancel Wednesday night on the eve of Thanksgiving. Give you time to fix your turkey. Are you out there? We've got one chapter left, three services to do four lessons. We're going to conclude. We'll squeeze one into two or two into one. Chapter 12, we're going to finish in the month of December in those first three weeks because Christmas is on Wednesday night and New Year's is on Wednesday night. So we'll be dismissing two services back to back. So we'll be missing three of the next six weeks on Wednesday night. So I'm just letting you know. For the purple book, we'll be finishing. The last week is judgment and resurrection, or the last month. That's pretty good, isn't it? Amen. Thank you all so much for being here tonight. Love on somebody. Hug on somebody, because that's part of the gospel, isn't it? It's part of the gospel to hug somebody and to tell them how much you appreciate them and you believe in them.